0: Today's uh, gospel from St. John is from the very last chapter of St. John, which John tells us about how Jesus revealed Himself again to His disciples by the Sea of Tiberius, and it was with Simon, Simon Peter, together with Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana, Zebedee's sons and two others of his disciples so we already get a good a good amount altogether that would make seven disciples which is the the ideal number maybe john is already seeing a uh, symbolism behind the the number 7 okay, seven sacraments seven was you know like considered the perfect number and uh, we are told here peter said to them i am going fishing and they said, well, we will also go with you. So you already you can see the initiative of Peter is that like he's the head. Everybody follows what Peter does, right? We're going with you. Okay. You know. And they went out and got into the boat. But that night they got nothing. Well, we can already see what is Peter and these other six disciples. What are they doing? Just going back after they've already had appearances of Jesus. They've already seen him. Uh, and of course, the episode is reminiscent of the miraculous draft of fish when they first were called. And, and Jesus had told him, I will make you a fisher of men. And it's as though Peter didn't fully, you know, really understand what this really meant. But now it's as though he's going to kind of confirm his mission but this scene of Peter together with those other six that is seven on total shows on the one hand the authority of Peter but also is that they are close together and that it suggests a real fraternity among them we are going with you Peter has the initiative shows his authority and he goes to his old job of being a fisherman and It's as though he was waiting for our Lord to give him new instructions. But one senses also that his return to fishing is an expression perhaps of his discouragement. As though all had gone back to normal. When it was already dawn, it says here, they'd caught nothing. When it was already dawn, Jesus, standing on the shore, But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered, No. So he said to them, Cast the net over the right side of the boat, and you will find something. So they cast it, and were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. So the disciple, whom Jesus loved, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it, it was the Lord, he tucked his garment, for he was lightly clad, and jumped into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, for they were not far from the shore, only about 100 yards, dragging the net with the fish. When they climbed out on the shore, they saw a charcoal fire, with fish on it and bread. You can already smell the charcoal and the broiling of the fish. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. Clearly, Jesus had one fish maybe, but he wanted the others to eat as well. So Simon Peter went over and dragged the net ashore full of 153 large fish. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come, have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? Because they realized it was the Lord. Jesus came over and took the bread and gave it to them, in a like manner, the fish. This was now the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after being raised from the dead, it's a, it's it's a beautiful uh, series of images here, and we sense Peter going from a, s- a spirit of discouragement, as though he was going back to normal, now to renewing his faith in the in the risen Lord. And as when he first goes, there was a sense that there was no real meaning to what the resurrection was really all about. It's as though it had not really sunk in, and. He'd gone back to normal life. I heard that now in the Holy Land, they're finally going back to life. That is, many, many thousands of pilgrims are now coming back after a freeze, of two years of COVID, where they had to stop all pilgrimages. And uh, they say they get like three million pilgrims uh, from all over the world every year. And now uh, they're coming back to meet the risen Lord. And maybe one day we'll have a chance to to meet the risen Lord there in the Holy Land and to, to see the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee and to to do our prayer there. It's a dream that we can that we can nourish and foment. But now we are only not three million, but we are only with the disciples and Peter, and they don't yet see the fullness. At first, they just saw those empty nets and uh, it tells us one thing it tells us that when we go fishing without Jesus without a fullness of a rectitude of intention everything we do without him is kind of fruitless no fish empty nets it's as though when Jesus steps into our life and we allow him to come in there's always abundance. These 153 fish prove there's always abundance. But why does John mention 153? Well, on one hand, that meant that one of them were counting them like bills, right? Like every fish was counted. He knew what types of fish. I doubt they were all exactly the same, right? They were all large, but different types, you know, perch, pike, you know, salmon, you know, haddock, all kinds of fish there, you No, know? but um, why, did he, why did he mention 153? Well, there are many theories as to why this figure was proposed by St. John. Apparently, St. Augustine said that, according to the science, according to St. Augustine's science, that there are actually 153 species of fish in the sea. And therefore, this extraordinary number is meant to signal the universality of the Church, that all are invited, and all are invited to the salvific mission of of Christ into the Church. And it suggests what we know from the Church, the Church is universal, and you have many types of people, all sons and daughters of Christ in the Church, even though we have many colors, many languages, and... uh, And so fullness and you could say um, abundance only comes when we really let you into our life in a systematic way. That abundance, there's 153 fish. We have to see, is there right now this abundance in my life? The abundance expressed in my cheerfulness in the way I approach my work in the way I approach my fraternity? Is there abundance in there? Or am I just eking out acts of service, or just barely, you know, at home, and I just barely do things? Or am I somehow, like, not part of those 153, or am I sort of closed in on myself? Hmm? We must remember that the Lord, the risen Lord, always goes out in search of His disciples. They were there on their own, and it seemed, at least at first, that they seemed rather discouraged. But when the Lord comes in search of them, you know, He encourages them, you know, to to really live out that mission that they that He had entrusted them. You know, He said, "Put your put your nets out again," and maybe they were afraid. But it's funny also to see how uh, Simon Peter dragged all those fish must have been heavy, but the nets were not torn. As though, as though we were meant to wonder at this. Today, we don't imagine nets being torn. We think, you know, they're pretty well made. But those days, I mean, making nets must not have been, they must have not have had the resilience. And, uh, and we might think that if, if, you know, I've had too many things in my life, too many things going, too many of those 153 fish, too many connections with so many people, uh, like, uh, it might be overwhelming for me, and my nets, my health, my, my stress might overwhelm me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but if we are truly working with rectitude of intention, the nets will not be, will not be torn. Mm-hmm. We just have to trust in Him. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Risen Lord always comes in search of His disciples. He comes in search of us. We should think about that every time we do our prayer. He's come in search of me. He's come to tell me something about where I must launch out my nets in my own apostolate, in my fraternity at home. Where do I have to launch out my nets to be an effective apostle? And uh, he's always encouraging us to remember that we are part of a great mission. Sometimes when we have to undertake something that we find difficult, uh, deal with a person, or sometimes... May have a health issue, tiredness, anything. You know, think now of something that you find difficult to do. Could be something at school, anything that you find difficult. It's very important to always see those challenges as a mission. As a mission. For the apostles, it was weary and they were bleary-eyed coming back after all night fishing like that. They, they needed their rest. But the Lord encouraged them. He made them think of that mission which he first entrusted them in the miraculous draft of fish, the first miraculous draft. And, and so that's why it's a very moving scene uh, to see our Lord together with his own. And we must uh, experience that, that, uh, that warmth, that, that closeness with our Lord when we do our prayer, when we do our norms of piety even when we do our rosary, that he is with us, as he is with us here at now. Let's ask our Lord for this, uh, this encouragement. This is how St. Josemaria says it in, the, in the Friends of God, as he comments this passage. He says, He passes by close to his apostles, close to those souls who have given themselves to him, and they do not realize He is there. Well, it does happen to us in our work, in our school, in the subway, uh, that we don't actually realize that He is there. We don't see it. We lose sight of Him. Maybe because of our devices, we get too focused in on devices, and and, uh, in some way we can imagine that Though the devices, the phones and stuff, are, are very um, stimulating and attractive and, in, as we know, somehow addictive, in some way, in some way, he is not there. He, obviously, he's even there in the phone, obviously, in some way. But, but in some way, we are losing our focus of our Lord, if we get, of course, too focused in on that device. St. Josemaria continues, how often Christ is not only near us, but in us, yet we still live in such a human way. They, the disciples, recall what they have heard so often from their master's lips, fishes of men, apostles. And they realize that all things are possible because it is he who who is directing their fishing. All things are possible. Do I realize that in my own apostate, or am I kind of uh, uh, do I feel afraid or do I feel intimidated in calling this or that person or getting together with them or as we will do shortly in a few weeks to do a pilgrimage with some of our friends because it's going to be the month of May. And I would... I would recommend that you... come up with a good place... where you can do a pilgrimage. Do the rosary on the way. Do the main part of the day there. And do another part on the way back. And all those uh, conversations... that we have... on the way... always are good conversations. I know that uh, when... people were in Rome the The group that went I heard, was very united, and they would go from church to church, and then they would walk through the streets and they would see little statues here and there, old monuments in Rome and it's as though that there was like a spirit of unity there. They could see that there's so many young people living their faith and so many old churches of others who have lived their faith through the centuries, and great works of art, and great paintings, and uh, ancient, ancient monuments, and uh, many young people who are doing the same. And I was told that this, as they walked along the sidewalks, on the cobblestone streets, with the cars passing and the mopeds passing, it, it provoked like deeper conversations of everybody going there. That's because the Lord is always by our side. He's reminding us that we have to be fishers of men. And then he continues, Whereupon the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. It is the Lord. Love Love is farsighted. Love is the first to appreciate kindness. The adolescent apostle, who felt a deep and firm affection for Jesus, because he loved Christ with all the purity and tenderness of a heart that had never been corrupted, exclaimed, It is the Lord. So beautiful, it is the Lord. And uh, how often... We may be like the others who don't recognize the Lord in our in our life. We just don't see Him. We just, and it could be because we lack a purity of intention, or rectitude of intention, and we don't see. It is the Lord. The others, that the same thing happened. You know, Mary Magdalene thought He was the gardener, but then with His words, "Rabboni," you know, she she understood. It was the Lord. So we can ask ourselves in our prayer, you know, how often do I not see that it is the Lord? I just don't pick up on Him. We need to ask for holy purity. We need to, you know, rectitude of intention. And if we do our prayer consistently and with uh, with uh, fidelity, we will be able to see the Lord. We won't pass by anybody. We won't by go do through go through any heavy work or experience any stress without seeing the Lord. St. Rosemary continues, When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his clothes and sprang into the sea. Peter personifies faith full of marvelous daring. He leaps into the sea with a love like John's and a faith like Peter's what is there that can stop us it's a beautiful expression we need faith and we need a love a true love love of god and a faith nothing can stop us and certainly uh, saint Maria used to kind of provoke this love and provoke this faith in those uh, around him he had that ability. I mean, he himself, of course, was filled with faith and love, but it's as though he was able to, to kind of contage this to others, as many great saints did. Certainly, the first, uh, the apostles, then, you know, led to this growth of the early Christian church, and many gave their lives. We sense here that there's a, a deep impression that this appearance had of the risen Jesus and it, it must have left a deep mark on the apostles. And what a sweet memory St. John kept of this and he's the one who's writing this years, much, many years. He would have, like the fact that we know the 153 fish, uh, it means that he was remembering it quite profoundly. And as you know, one of the things with memory and uh, it functions often with structures with like uh, images in particular. You know, the, the, the people of old, the, the old ancient philosophers or writers, they would be able to memorize the entire Bible, the entire Bible, not just the New Testament, the entire thing. They could recite it to you because they had these famous uh, memory pas- uh, palaces based fundamentally on images. They would make an image of a palace on, of I don't know, 24 floors. And on the first floor there's this, and the second floor there's this, and that's how they they memorized Genesis and, and Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. They 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 remembered everything that was going on. They each had a room which was one chapter, and each chapter things happened in that room. That's how they memorized it. The memory palaces. And when Aristotle would go walking, he would he would see a number of trees, and this tree was this concept, the next tree was another concept, and that's the only way he could he could really uh, memorize anything by walking and looking at things. He never actually took note of anything, and so there's always remember in our heart when we read the the, the, the gospels and when we do our prayer, you know, this image of the resurrected Jesus, how he showed them this tenderness, you know, that is so characteristic of his public ministry. You know, that, that's probably what, what uh, filled him with joy, that again, he was, he was there. And he, how he makes use of these natural things, the fire, the cooking of the fire, the fish, the bread, you know, all these things to show him that he's really there and he cares about them. And, um, maintains the typical tone that he must have had uh, when he was with them. That's what they remembered. And perhaps, um, that's part of the reason why he gave them something to eat with the charcoal fire and the, and the bread. It, it would have created a smell. You know how, if you smell something that is intimately connected with your memory. How often it's happened, you walk in through, room, you smell something, and it takes you right back to... To your childhood or something and I think when they smelled the charcoal and they smelled the bread they smelled the broiled fish it took them back to many of those moments that he spent with them on the sea of Tiberias or maybe for that matter on the first time they met him fathers of the church the doctors of the church have often dwelt on the mystical meaning of this episode you know, the boat really is the church Whose unity is symbolized by the net that is not torn, is not torn apart, stays together even with all those massive 153 fish. The sea—it's like the world, right? The Peter in the boat stands for the supreme authority of the Church, and uh, you could say the 153 fish could be, well, all the different uh, people in the world, but. It could also just be the elect, those who are chosen, you and me, who have be given a mission. Let's ask our, our Blessed Mother hey, to help us have a deeper conviction of that mission that God has given us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you help to put them into effect My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.